0: Welcome to this modern education podcast that explores learning, from the everyday exchange of thoughts and ideas to the theories and practices behind entire systems. Think education is cool? So do we. So we pair two conversations learn about our guests, then learn from our guests, share your takeaways, and come back for more. You're listening to Think Pair Share. With me, Audrey Scott. Father Lou Delphra is a priest in the Congregation of Holy Cross, where he serves as a faculty member and director of pastoral life for the Alliance for Catholic Education at the University of Notre Dame. His thoughtful guidance can be seen in the design of K-12 religion curriculum as well as understanding the principal's and teacher's role in nurturing the spiritual lives of students and the Catholic character of schools. He currently publishes in the fields of religion, literature, teacher education, and spirituality. And while he can't be at home in his beloved Philadelphia, he is a proud fixture as priest-in-residence in, in Keenan Hall here on campus. And it's my privilege to welcome him today to think peer share. Hi, Father Lou. How are you?
1: great audrey great to see you and and hear you
0: (laughs) yes good to see you and hear you too did you have a nice holiday and are you ready for the new year
1: yeah beautiful christmas um i I got a a full week this year with my uh, family we used to do an ace vocations pilgrimage over the christmas break but we now do it at the end of the summer and uh it's got the added bonus of I get a few extra days with the nieces and nephew and get to play with all their Christmas gifts. So it was really fun.
0: It sounds so nice to have that time with family. So I'm glad you were able to enjoy that. Well-deserved after the good long year that you've led us through. We've been trying to get you on for a little bit now. So we're excited to actually have you here as our guest as we head into Catholic Schools Week for 2022. So we're very excited about that.
1: So exciting. I love this week.
0: It's going to be great. So we'll, we'll do some of those sort of fun, rapid-fire questions at the beginning. Um, that's sort of our trademark here, but then we'll get into some of those other topics and, and just enjoy the conversation. So you'll sort of see a theme tied to the new year. So okay. I'll start. Watch the ball drop live in Times Square or from the comfort of your couch?
1: Comfort of my couch all the <laughs> way. You, I'm from <laughs> Philadelphia. You wouldn't catch me dead in New York City. <laughs> There. Now I've did. ticked off a, some quarter of our listenership.
0: It's okay. They can all understand that. By now, I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Fully strong. I'm going to actually ask you um, about that a little bit later. But in the meantime, okay. So, noisemakers or confetti?
1: Confetti. Love confetti. And I hate noise. So, that's an easy one.
0: Okay, great. Light sparklers or watch fireworks?
1: watch fireworks so that uh, opposed to not liking noisy stuff but i actually love fireworks
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's true okay we'll make that exception countdown from 10 or go to sleep at 10.
1: countdown
0: do you stay up and do that
1: oh absolutely my nieces get the pots and the wooden spoons out and they so like, if I went to bed, I just would get woken up. So you might as well just stay up for it. My niece, Amy, this year came up at, at about nine o'clock. So three hours previous. And she said, you know what I figured out for this year? Two pot lids together, just make an amazing set of symbols. And I'm like, yep, I'm staying up this year.
0: We're gonna have to beat her. Be she careful like... what
1: you ask for.
0: <laughs> she sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, um, okay. Champagne toast or old Lang Syne?
1: Champagne toast, for sure.
0: Polar bear plunge or sleep till noon?
1: Sleep till noon.
0: <laughs> okay, great. Football is also a big part of the new year. Would you rather go to the Super Bowl or the national championship game?
1: Go to the Super Bowl, um, for sure. I'm so depressed about college football, not because Notre Dame's not doing well, but I'm, that's a whole other podcast I could I pontificate on, the problems with college football right now.
0: Wow, you have to have a Father Lou part two. (laughs) Okay, great. Um, And have you ever been to the Super Bowl?
1: I have been to the Super Bowl. I've been to the, when the Eagles won their Super Bowl, I was able to go
0: Um, and watch
1: them defeat Earmuff Sister Kathleen, watch them defeat the New England Patriots.
0: That was a huge one. Oh my gosh. Best sporting
1: day of my life.
0: I bet I think actually probably the majority of the country was actually on your side.
1: One of the few days I think Philadelphia was the most popular uh, city in the country since <laughs> since the signing of the Declaration of Independence. I think that was the second time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the two main pillars. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, good 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 reason to celebrate for sure. Um how about resolutions for 2022? Do you have one main one or do you do you not do resolutions?
1: no i do resolutions and uh yeah one 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 is it's so deeply uh, connected to our charism as holy cross priests but it's it's just a to, to to be a hopeful joyful uh sign of the gospel to the extent that i can in my own limited ways um as as people go through these this winter is clearly going to be uh uh another bit of a blow uh with with the virus and um and just living in the dorm with the students and uh, them coming back, on, but having some restrictions and, and uh, our ACE teachers and principals feeling the wear and tear of, of trying to educate in these uh, times. And uh, that wears on everyone in the ACE building, right? And uh, so to try to, I'm in a new office uh, down on the first floor of the new Remick Family Hall, right in the middle of, of the pastoral teams and uh so to just try to be a hopeful joyful uh sign of hope
0: well um i can say from at least one person you're definitely always that so um (laughs) i sure appreciate it hopefully we can help lift you up too so
1: uh, you do it's i i i love coming in every day just love it the smiles the energy people have for the mission when you walk in every day it's it's just incredible. Um, no one should be this blessed, you know, to get to work with people like this. It uh, sets you on fire. It's it's. I, j- I just love
0: it. It really is inspirational. Glad to to be um, there alongside you for that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, how how has it been? You, you live in Keenan. It's one of the dorms on campus. How has that been? Being back and just being with with folks again.
1: Yeah, good. I'll reveal one of uh, a little sinful side of myself, which is. I do love the silence, you know. So they leave for a month and you kind of get used to it. <laughs> and then they all they all came back on Sunday and I'm like, "What the heck are you all doing here? Get out of my house," you know. And then all of a sudden you realize uh they they somebody comes in and sticks their head in the door and cracks a joke or or one just had had a rough Christmas and just needs to to process it and you're like, "No, you know what?" this is why we're here together and uh you kind of get right back into it
0: yeah make that transition that's good it's a little bit of both it's nice to have a little bit of both for sure even just yeah. walk around campus when they're not around i'm like oh I just
1: it's to- so peaceful i know i
0: know <laughs> we we used to be you and i actually together you used to be the people that i'm sure the other people were
1: <laughs> Cringy. happy to take a break yeah. from- <laughs>
0: <laughs> what comes around goes around, but let's see. You said you're from Philly. We know that the city is near and dear to your heart, as well as your family there. Can you tell me a little bit about growing up there and why that's so important to you?
1: Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a, a my my grandparents came over from from Italy and moved right into Philadelphia, like so many Italian, obviously uh, uh, Boston and and New York. And Philadelphia was just a huge destination for the immigrant Italian community. It was um, right after World War II and i pick up it was an awkward time to be an italian-american we were the italians were allied with with the nazis and and uh here we were trying to carve out uh american citizenship you know and uh, so one of the great sadnesses of my life is is uh i grew up with all my grandparents they all spoke only italian and i can't speak a word of it because it was just uh uh it was not to be done uh your your my my dad uh, was forced to to learn English uh, right away, and we we spoke not a lick of Italian around the uh, house, which is kind of interesting. You know, you think about some of the dynamics of today's uh, immigrant communities, and uh, so. But that that was very much a Philadelphia kind of story. Um, I was just uh, looking at my um, grade school. Uh, somebody had had one of our old T-shirts that had all of our eighth grade names on it. And i was just looking at the list and every single name ends in a vowel you know and i was like oh my god i didn't i barely knew any irish people like that would have been diversity for me at, the, at that time you know i just grew up in a total italian neighborhood it was very funny but but i think that's a big part of why i feel it's such a home so it's where i i was educated i went to the catholic school at our parish which was first through eighth grade uh, my mom who was a kindergarten teacher, found this untenable and uh, so, so began the kindergarten at our, our parish school uh, when I was in fourth grade. So it meant from fourth through eighth grade, I went to school with my mom uh, downstairs. I didn't get sent to the principal's office. I got sent to the kindergarten uh, when I got in trouble. Uh, so I literally remember sister, sister Francine Marie saying, you go down right now. To the kindergarten, and tell your mother what you just did. You know, so like I had to confess this sin in front of all these little kindergartners. You know, oh, no. to my mom. You know,
0: that didn't seem fair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> She's an incredible part of my story because um, she she then was the kindergarten teacher for the uh, first twenty five years of the of the existence of that kindergarten. And uh, she she knew as many people as the pastor. I mean, she was kind of the, the female pastor of the of the parish. And um, and uh, but she gifted to me the, the love of Catholic schools and the importance of faithful teachers it clearly comes comes from her. So
0: that is so lovely. Well, I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad of that. Can you remember any of the things you used to do mischievous? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, it was an all Italian school, so um, you know a few of us. We, we used to be able to bring in ten cents if you wanted a soft pretzel. a Philly soft pretzel as a midday snack, and and I, a group of us had watched. This is an, in eighth grade. This is awful. This is absolutely awful. And uh, a group of us had watched The Godfather, and we so we decided we were going to extort the ten cents from from other kids. Is that? I mean, it's just so bad. It's just so bad. I've confessed it, it you know, would go right to hell. And so we, so we had an eighth grade mafia. Is that just, that's just so bad. Oh so you God. think about whether you wanna include that in the podcast, but.
0: Okay. I, would to, I would love to, if it's okay with you.
1: We had to do, we had to do, uh, the teacher had us all write a sentence on an index card so she could do a handwriting analysis to figure out who is leaving these notes for for the kids. And that's how I got busted on the handwriting analysis. And no one gave me an option to have a lawyer. So
0: this is an elaborate scheme. (laughs) It's so bad.
1: I mean, I cannot believe I did that.
0: Yeah, you should have said, um, I plead the fifth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We were not given, no one read us our rights. There were no rights.
0: Hey, that's the way the mafia man. (laughs) You know what you're getting into. Oh my goodness! I love that story so much. And see, you learned from that, and now you're moving on. I
1: did. I learned. I, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you learn virtue by trying out its opposite and seeing how terrible
0: it is. There you go. Uh, how many people in the real mafia can say that they ended up being a priest? Probably not very many. <laughs> so this is a good, a good uh, dip your toe into it and uh, decide <laughs> right. it's not for you. The youth. <laughs> I think I would have been much more afraid to speak with my parents about something too, than, than uh, just be sent straight to the principal's office. and be better that way.
1: <laughs> uh, totally. Totally. It was the worst having to go to the kindergarten.
0: What's even worse is probably if your mom said, I'm disappointed in you.
1: Oh, I, that was just like, Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. That was lovely. We're going to move forward a little bit. I know you also, you went to Notre Dame undergrad, best class ever. Um.
1: (laughs) Yes, it was. (laughs) Produced a lot of great people. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and, and then you um, you went to law school afterwards. Can you tell me a little bit about that and your journey through discernment?
1: Yeah, it's a, and it's actually one of the reasons I love A so much is I, I got to the end of the senior year and I, I wasn't asking any great discernment questions. The only question I was really asking is, what should I do next? But I wasn't asking, well, what, what makes me happy? You know, um, what's God signaling? Uh, so I just went to law school because it was my dad's profession. It's what I had grown up around. And, um, so I went to law school and, you know, it was pretty quick in the first couple of weeks, I could feel like this is just not my soul. And that's when the real discernment for me started that that's triggered for me. Well, if this isn't it, if what I assumed was it is not it now what is it? And, and it forced up upon me to ask some of those deeper questions. Where's the joy I find in my life. Cause it's not here. It's not in contracts for me. And so uh, without having any huge answers to those questions, I did just realize pretty quickly in about a month and a half that that this just wasn't it. So I left and it became a really beautiful teaching story. So I'm home. It's uh, now mid-October and I'm living with my parents. And one of my high school teachers came and knocked on my door in, in December and said, uh, you know, one of one of the teachers at my high school that the high school I went to, was going on maternity leave and I'll never I can still hear his voice say, I think you'd be a really good teacher. I think you should apply for this job, you know? And I still think my mom put him up to 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 coming over, but she swears she didn't. But I she doesn't lie, but I think she's lying on this one. Um <laughs> So everybody jokes that, you know, I, I followed my parent. I just followed the wrong parent on the first try, uh, and I was supposed to be following my mom's vocation. So I applied, I applied and absolutely fell in love with it. That's not a romanticized version of what happened. I, I got there and started teaching in January. And they couldn't get me out of the school. I just, I coached every season. I started a club. I was a PLS great books uh, major here. They let me start a great books option for seniors and uh, just absolutely fell in love with teaching.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it, it, in a way it was the beginning of my vocation because I, uh, I started also teaching religion, but also the school had a really uh, beautiful retreat program. And so I got started getting involved on, on giving the retreats for the students. And so it was it was really the first time in my life that that that, that question even began to emerge, even though I stuffed it down uh, pretty quickly after it came up. But uh, <laughs> but it was the beginning uh, of, of coming to recognize where where God was leading me in my life.
0: Wow. Well, I love those little like nudges. What what did your dad think when you didn't want to follow the legal profession anymore?
1: I think uh, I, I say this to so many students now, and it comes from such an authentic place in my heart when they get worried about what their parents, how their parents are going to react, or it happens a lot in seminary. What are my parents going to think if um, I don't pursue family life? And um, I say something, and this is an answer to your question. When your parents see you sad, that's all they need to see. And, and then when, when they see you joyful, that's all they need to see. Most of the time, I suppose there's always exceptions. There's so many people, people I was in seminary with, where they're like, my, you know, my parents really aren't sure of this. And one, one beautiful thing about Holy Cross is we always invite parents to come to the seminary, to come out to the novitiate in Colorado and spend the weekend with us and be a part of our family. Family is such an important thing in Holy Cross. After parents spend a weekend and see the joy, see their son, in this case, flourishing, it gets harder to be like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> what are you doing with your life? Uh, why, you know, because it's like, why are you so happy, you know? And, uh, so, so I think at some level, uh, my dad could see just that I wasn't happy and in fact was quite sad. And in the end, that's all they need to see. You know, there's such a pressure on, on using your college education right now for the development of a trade. And some people don't want to use their education for that purpose. They want to examine interesting questions that maybe don't have a real practical consequence at the moment, and uh, but they just know it sets a fire in them. And I get it from a parent's perspective and the amount of tuition you're paying and et cetera, but it's important to follow the joy, you know, to follow the joy. One of the beautiful things about Catholic education, right, is we can talk about our learning not just in terms of career development, though, though that it has to be and should be a really important part of it, but it's also just about your growth as a human being, you know, and discovering your passions, discovering your vocation, uh, which is a little deeper than your career, you know, Mm -hmm. and we can talk about both so openly, not that other forms of education can't, but we can do it so openly. It's really beautiful. It's a beautiful part of Catholic education.
0: I agree. And I think we'll get actually a little bit more into that because, um, um, but I think it's interesting to say vocation because giving people room to sort of be okay to say what gifts have I been given? Where do I find joy? How can I contribute? Um, I think that's important. And I, and it's, it's really hard graduating and you're thinking, no, oh, I've got to start paying back my loans or yeah. I've got to have it. I've got to have a job. And, and those are all valid things. Absolutely. But.
1: Right. Cause as it, look, it's, it's, it's utterly essential to um, pay off your student loans. Um, it's not the deepest desire of your heart. And that the problem comes when we equate that that becomes the sole focus of our life, you know, is something less than the deepest desire of our heart. And uh, so it's it's helping students realize how to do both and not not get absorbed in the one uh, at the expense of the other.
0: I ask some of those questions because in my experience here at ACE, I have seen the importance put on discernment. I've just been so impressed by that, I guess.
1: Yeah. One of the things I've been thinking of recently, it's, it's always been one of my favorite parts of ACE is the whole culture of discernment of vocation in the broadest sense of the word vocation. Um, I, I, nothing is more satisfying than to see an ACE 10 years out and you encounter them and they're just like flourishing, happy, contributing, you know, and you're just like, that's it. That's what what I want my life to be about: helping people get to that moment. And ACE really, um, there's something about ACE. Um, it's probably partially, you know, the the moment in life when we're catching them, that post college time, which is a time of natural reflection on, you know, I wonder how I'm called to spend my life, and then surrounding them with a community of people who are doing the same. And then putting that community into the context of a spiritual community that's allowing God to have a say in all this, it's a great potion (laughs) and, um, and it's beautiful to see what's happening. And I think it's only become more important in today's culture. I I was thinking, you know, I think one of the things young people are struggling with, um, right now. And I think it is connected to, um, technology a bit is experiencing life at, at the surface level. And bopping from experience to experience without ever diving into what did that experience mean? And uh, uh, was there a deeper meaning to it than to just just uh, my instantaneous experience of it? And um, one thing that discernment really forces on us is this reality that the experiences of our life are providential, that God's involved in the experiences in our lives, that they're happening for a reason. They're not just to be bopped you know, bebopped from one to the next, to the next, to the next, but they're to be probed for the fingerprints of God, you know, Uh what, I wonder why God allowed that to happen in my life. Um, I wonder why I got sent to this city in ACE. I wonder um why this student and this student's issues uh, were brought to me, yeah. um, certainly for hopefully the betterment of that student, but maybe also to um, reveal something about your gifts, you know, and what God wants you to do uh, with your life. And um, why am I with this community member that I I will wind up doing a lot of ACE weddings, which I love. And so many of them just say one of the best, uh, we do marriage prep, right? As part of the, and they're just like this marriage prep is so easy compared to community life in ACE. Like that was the best marriage prep of just learning to live with someone on a daily basis under stress. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, uh, to, to try to see their giftedness um, or having those moments where their limitations overwhelm their giftedness and you're, there you are and you've got to deal with it. But it gets back to the point of, um, and that's not just happening for no reason. Uh, you were sent to that community for a reason, that God, God was involved in that. And um, it was in preparation for, for things or someone that you didn't even know yet. Uh, that, that's kind of a beautiful part of the discernment culture
0: in ACE growing moments for everyone and
1: yeah um, yeah J- just uh, over christmas i got a i got an email from uh, a member of ace four uh and she had just gotten a, a promotion uh at her school and she shared she actually shared the um the note she got from her principal uh which was kind of talking about the gifts he had seen in her that made her the perfect candidate for this i hadn't, I hadn't heard from her in 15 years and she said, um, you know, when I read this uh, note, I was so happy uh, to, to receive this affirmation. And she said, and soon after that, I realized all of this started in ACE. All these gifts were called forth and nurtured in ACE. So she said, I just had to reach out um, to say thank you. And I think ACE does have that impact on people. Um, it draws out their gifts and, and then informs them and enhances them and... Uh, and then after they leave, they, they just keep growing into them so often. It was a beautiful Christmas moment.
0: Yes, that's so nice. And, and that she recognized that and also reached back out. It's nice for you to know that you have had an impact and that and ACE has had an impact on people. And so, yeah,
1: yeah. And, and you think too, you know, she was a Notre Dame graduate. And you just think before ACE, there, w- there wasn't a mechanism for Notre Dame graduates to enter K-12 Catholic schools after we had shut down the, the School of Education. So like it really hits you. She wouldn't be there without ACE. And, and uh, that, that, that'll get you out of bed on a cold South Bend morning and get you over to the ACE office.
0: Yes, absolutely. We've had a few of those recently. <laughs> but, but yes, I, I agree 100%. And actually, that's a great segue for what I'd like to hear from you is for those who don't have as much of an understanding, explain what ACE, the Alliance for Catholic Education is. In your words, Ace, I would say, is a is a movement of the Holy Spirit
1: that gathers a community of of people together, educators or those discerning the possibility of education to give some period of our lives. And for some of us, like all our lives to helping all children who want a faith based education and an academically rigorous, really good, uh, really effective faith based education to help them get that. That starts, first of all, with calling people and uh, all great education is, first of all, a personal endeavor and you need you need great people. But then also looking at um, those people have to fit into effective systems of education and delivery of education. And uh, I think ACE is a, is a movement of the Holy Spirit that calls a community of people together, um, but then also looks at more systemic issues, and through the talent we call together, uh, tries to respond to those issues and uh, create even better systems of delivery.
0: That's a great way to describe it, actually. And I'm glad to hear that from you because, it well, it has a deeper connection and meaning than sometimes when you read about. It. It's a two-year master's degree program. Yeah, yeah. In education, I mean, obviously that's an that's an important part of it, but you bring it to life with your description. So I appreciate that. Sure. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Tied to that, I'd love to understand your role in ACE. So would I. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we can work on this. <laughs> um, but you have a very pastoral role and it's fit perfectly for you. But tell me, why is ACE so important to you? It's clear that you're passionate about it.
1: Well, it starts very personally in the sense that I fell in love with teaching and so to be able to be involved in a program whose focus is Catholic education is obviously just so deeply personally enlivening for me. Then um, it really is through ACE that I discovered my vocation uh, to the priesthood, and so so there's just deep personal roots to all of this. But then it it, it circles back and ties in so many different strands of my life. My senior thesis uh, at Notre Dame was on the emerging role of the laity in in post Vatican, you know, after Vatican II, and how how this next stage in the church's growth was gonna uh in a in a way that's never been done in the last many millennia or maybe ever really gonna call on the laity to take on a more prominent important essential role in the church and that was my senior thesis and uh and then I wind up you know uh circling back into ace and Um, And this gets into um, my role as Director of Pastoral Life, to really help people see how essential their role as agents of spirituality are in our church. As I like to say to the ACERS, over the summer, you're gonna be the youngest person uh, on the faculty at your school. So immediately, by doing nothing other than just stepping through the door, you're like the most interesting person there. And if you also evince a curiosity about your faith, what's that going to do to a student? They're all looking at you anyway, because you're the closest to them in age. And then all of a sudden they see in you, oh, um, oh my gosh, this person um, doesn't just go to church out of obligation. They actually seem to be into it. And they seem to be getting something out of it. Um, or wow, my math teacher um, said a prayer before class today. That's, that's so unusual, you know? And so I see part of my role as really trying to both invite people in ACE to take on a greater role as spiritual agents and also to provide in consort with uh, such an amazing pastoral team, trying to provide a formation that allows them to do that. Vatican II provided a lot of great language about how we want the laity to take on greater ownership in our church. Not surprisingly, it's taken time. You also have to create institutions that are going to provide the formation so that they can do that so here we are 60 years later and programs like ace i think are 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 so important to the enfleshment of the ideas that that began to emerge during vatican ii
0: i love agent of spirituality do you actually say that to them i think that was the
1: first time i've ever said that i like that i'm gonna write that down on an index card start using that
0: Trademark <laughs> Father I like that too. That sounds like it can really sort of enliven them and allow them to sort of make a mental image of of how they can yeah, Go ahead.
1: Uh, I was just going to say one one beautiful thing about ace it It's so countercultural in this sense um, this this is a time of deep disaffiliation with religious institutions among this generation and And here you've got this um, countercultural phenomenon going on i mean the the Dillon hall chapel this summer um or the keenan stanford chapel when the remick leaders uh gathered uh when they gather for the eucharist it's packed it's full of uh vibrancy uh it's full and you know if you just if you weren't a part of ace and just dropped in you'd be like what is going on here right because this generation doesn't do that and You know, one of the things I think ACE and its programs does is it provides a publicly recognized, active role in our church for lay people. You are the fourth grade teacher at St. Teresa's. And when you give that to people, when you give that kind of empowerment, that kind of communal recognition and the formation to do it well, because when we do it well, we start to enjoy it. Now you're really, really allowing lay people to feel like they're part of the church and contributing to it. Not, not just, um, as I sometimes tell our graduates, you, you're now no longer simply consumers of yeah. your Catholicism, You're creators uh, yeah. of a Catholic community. But you can't just say that, right? You got to give them roles and formation that allows yeah. them to do that well and then, and then enjoy it. And in fairness, they they also say, and the institutions ha, ha, has not been at, at its best. I mean, we, we've created some of it, too, and I, we we need to own that. I hear more like being part of a church is uncool. Spirituality yes. still got a coolness to it. And maybe that's a way back for a lot of them is to help them see um, uh, the deep spirituality of our church. It's not just a human institution. It's not primarily a human institution. It's an institution that's the house of God first. And it's a place to encounter God and um, encounter Christ. Um, ASA's spirituality has always been so gospel-centered. Um, so it's a place, first of all, like through our retreat programming, it's it's reading a gospel passage together and what do you see in Jesus here? And that's a nice way in for people. It's it's less institutional, and uh, let's just look at this really good person who actually turns out to be the Son of God, and uh, let's see what let's see what he's up to and uh, and allowing a relationship with with Christ to emerge, and then and then a question can be, well, how do I sustain that relationship? I actually like this guy. Uh, how do I sustain that relationship? And then and then some of the, well, you know, we've got these sacraments, and we've got a community, and we get together in a community, and it's called, you know, put your muffs on, but it's called church, and uh, you know. But then all of a sudden, it's like, well, yeah, maybe I will go to church. You know, <laughs> um,
0: you've turned uh, churches on coal on its head, and and. Uh... Welcome them back um I think that's right. I think I do tend to hear people say, "Well, I'm faithful or I have a spiritual element to mm-hmm. to the way I think, but the institution of the church itself is something that I don't feel connected to
1: yeah, yeah and uh and again, sometimes certain teachings of the of of the church can be uh turn offs and i think I think uh, an important piece is helping people realize, well, that can be okay, that doesn't need to be." And therefore I wanna throw the whole thing out. And so um, creating a church community in which conversation about difficult topics is welcomed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not here just to stuff answers down people's throats. How about we have a conversation about uh, things? And, uh, and again, this is about allowing uh, people to be um, contributing members of a church rather than just receivers. Uh, we have to welcome, them. then we have to welcome their questions and their issues. And maybe sometimes they think about things differently, and uh, and to and to welcome that. I think if we don't do that, we're really going to lose this generation. So,
0: I think so. A conversation—what a novel idea, Father Lou! <laughs> <laughs> an, an open and honest conversation where people listen and, and hear each other's points of view and and can grow. So, one of the things that I love about you and talking to you and listening to you is you have a gift that somehow shares the story and the connection and makes Jesus as a character, as you say, Hmm. is there something that you think about of trying to connect a person Hmm. living today to understand how this could possibly connect or Hmm. matter? Does that make sense?
1: It does. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes honestly from being a middle school teacher where if it wasn't relevant to their ego, um it, it simply what you it doesn't matter what you were saying um it had to be relevant to their life or they weren't going to listen and that was what i did i was a middle school teacher for three years and i just, i wanted to be good at it and i came to realize early on they have to see some relevance and i was a religion teacher you know so um it forced it on me early so it's funny uh, people have it like uh, some, my community is sometimes asked can you give a preaching class to our seminarians mm-hmm. and um, they're, they're always like, what would you advise? And I always say, become a middle school teacher, um, because as soon as you're boring or irrelevant, you will know it. Um, <laughs> and if that's not acceptable to you, it will drive you, you know, to like find connection and like to just not be afraid of Jesus' humanity he entered into our humanity. So there's nothing that we should say, oh, I can't, I can't bring that into my reflection about faith. Um, you, you think about that, you know, the woman at the well, it's just like, she was into so many things that were just like, we, today we're just so afraid to be like, and she just sat there all day and was just like, yeah, I got some things I need to talk about, you know? And, and he, that's the longest, that's the longest single encounter he has with anyone in all the gospels. There's not a thing she says that he's like, you know what? I'm religious. I really can't talk about that. You know, so it's like to just not be afraid of
0: that. Very true, very true. What is Catholic education to you?
1: What I would say is that it's education in the traditional disciplines, a formative education uh, that's infused with faith. Like faith for me is it's it's a part of reality. Um, it's not like a room in the house. It's it's the air that flows through the house, and. So if you, if you believe that God created the world, then the world can be understood kind of differently, whether that's through mathematics, through science, through history, through literature, it, it makes a difference if you think God's involved or not. And so it's, it's an education infused with the vision that God's a character in the story of the world, in fact, is the character, and that we can discover things about God through all the disciplines and what it means to be a creature of God, to be a, a daughter of God, to be a son of God um, through all the disciplines. So Catholic education is, is an opportunity for those who want it to, um, to have their children educated in that kind of a vision. And again, I think it's important to say, and that's not the only way it can happen. Um, it can also happen through great catechism programs and the home community, the witness of parents uh, is, is always the first and foremost.
0: They are the home agents of spirituality.
1: Yeah, the domestic church. (laughs) There you go.
0: There you go. Um, Well, speaking of Catholic schools, though, we are entering into Catholic schools week. It's an exciting time. Help me understand the importance of of highlighting this week and, and the joy that this week can bring.
1: One of the importances of Catholic school week right now is that it's not a given that our schools are going to continue forever. There's a lot of forces working against these schools' continued existence. And so to have a time when we as a church can celebrate the amazing accomplishment that these schools exist and the great gift that they provide, first and foremost, to our children, but also to the broader society. And I think that's part of Catholic Schools Week is is letting the the broader community recognize um, the gift. That these schools are to our communities and to highlight that uh, whether people want to hear it or not. Uh, Catholic Schools Week has never been more important than right now, where the, the gift that these schools are cannot be taken for granted uh, at all. So that's one of the things I, I love.
0: If someone wasn't as familiar with Catholic Schools Week, what do you think is its best ability to, to do? Is just highlighting the impor- as you said, Catholic schools are not a given right now. I think people think that they might be, but that's yeah, not really the yeah.
1: case. Yeah. I think Catholics are often at their best when they're celebrating and, uh, and it's a celebration, you know, it's, um, and celebration is always, uh, powerful evangelically, you know, it's like, why are those people so happy, <laughs> you know? Um, and, um, so it's a chance to be proud of these amazing communities that, that have been built over the years on the backs of religious sisters, religious brothers, brave priests and bishops early in our church's history, and then countless uh, heroic lay people um, who have just said, you know, um, we wanna be able to raise our children and educate our children um, with a daily vision of that, that faith is, is an important part of life. And, uh, and often with no support from the broader culture uh, have made these things work, and so just you—you you gotta celebrate that, you know, and you gotta celebrate it really well and joyfully and boisterously, so that other people are like, "What's all that racket?"
0: We are gonna do our best for sure. <laughs> uh, we're all looking forward to that celebration and certainly enjoy uh, your enthusiasm. And it's gonna be a great week talking to you. I can tell you have just a hopeful spirit. But are you hopeful?
1: I am hopeful, and. <laughs> I hope this doesn't scare people off. It has nothing to do with the facts of the situation. It, it has to do with believing that, that God is the, the central character in, this, in the story of Catholic schools, and that the Holy Spirit wants these schools to be a part of our lives. And it's God's presence that fills me with hope. It's God's fidelity to us that fills me with hope. So, like some facts look really good, like the strides that have been made in in, in school choice over these last years, it looks awesome. Um, other facts don't look so good. Some of the enrollment trends, uh, especially pre-COVID, uh, don't look so good. But I, I, I find myself not riding the roller coaster of the ups and downs uh, so much. Some of them make me happy, and some of them get me depressed. But in terms of my daily life, I'm just like, God's got this and we just got to keep working Uh, really hard to respond to how God is asking us to keep these schools going and improving. Great.
0: I love that. Um, Speaking of the pandemic, do you have a thought about the impact of the pandemic?
1: Yeah. One of the impacts of the pandemic, I think, has been to highlight one of the things Catholic schools are best at, which is the person-to-person relationships catholic schools uh, squeamishness towards uh, keeping our students away from the schools like there was something deep in our being that was just like we need these kids back and in person and i think catholic schools manifested that in a way that many schools not to say all schools many schools did not and i think it highlighted something that's just very true and there present in catholic schools which is we value you as a person and the endeavor of education is person to person. That really got highlighted by the response of our schools and and the, gosh, the um, the strenuous exercises Catholic schools put themselves through to stay open amidst all of this. Yeah, and uh, you can feel you you can feel that, that 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 took a toll on our principals. It took a toll on our teachers, uh, but we did it. Self sacrifice is part of the. Part of the Christian story, and, and uh, we can make yeah. that explicitly part of our rationale for why we do things.
0: Lots of sacrifice, lots of hard work, and and it continues. And I just want to say thank you to you, and to all those out there that are continuing to endeavor to make that happen and being agents of spirituality.
1: <laughs> Amen.
0: <laughs> Father Lou, thank you so much for your time today. It's been such an enjoyable conversation.
1: Love talking to you, Audrey, and love talking about Catholic schools and the ACE movement. So thanks. It's been a joy.
0: And thank you all for joining us for Think, Pair, Share. If you enjoyed this episode, head on over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Check out our website at iei.nd.edu forward slash media for this and other goodies. Thanks for listening. And for now, off we go.